chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. I want to speak this morning using for a title the language of God. The language of God. And I'm not just playing with words here. I am eternally grateful for the 10 o'clock prayer times. Everyone who's prayed, I thank God for you. It adds something to me all the time. Every service. I don't like to miss it at all. The language of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed here of all things, through whom also he made the walls. Let's just pause there for a minute. And I'm going to go to the book of Genesis in chapter 1 as we try to establish this message. And I'm praying this morning, Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, that you will not only anoint this word. In fact, I know you've already anointed it. But God, that you will so open our hearts and our ears in a way that we will hear unnaturally. By the divine operation of your spirit. Not only will we hear the words I'm speaking, but God, we will hear what you are saying through it. And that indeed there will be a manifestation of who you are in the lives of the people who is giving heed to what you are saying today. We receive this by faith. We rest at your finished work. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. In verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now, I said to you at the beginning, I had this message all done. In fact, I had, I had given it a totally different title. Until goodness prayed. And in the midst of that prayer, something just bang, just like light, just exploded within me. That's taking this message in a different direction that makes it more easier to, up, to comprehend. God said, let there be light. And there was light. Question. Butchie. In what language did God say it? Did he say it in English? Did he say it Hebrew? There was no Hebrew when God said it in the beginning. Abraham was not born. Israel was not a nation. He could not have said it in Hebrew. 
He did not say it in Igbo language. He did not say it in Spanish. He did not say it in my native dialect. But yet he spoke. And God said, let there be light. Question this morning is, what language did he speak? My friend Greg Tata is back. He's, he's helping me already. He said, God's language. That's the question. What is God's language? He didn't speak it in Greek. For the Greeks were not yet. And he certainly didn't speak it in Aramaic. There was no such thing. Just chill. And let's look at scriptures. Because if we get this, if we are ever going to operate in the kingdom of God in a way that we can truly, truly, truly understand God, then we need to know his language. If I spoke to you right now in my native dialect, you will hear what I'm saying, but you will lack comprehension. So for the most part, we are hearing what God is saying, but we are lacking comprehension. Because we are hearing things, but because the language at which he is operating and speaking is different from the language you are speaking, you are hearing, but you are not able to do it. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying to you? This is English now. Are you hearing me? Are you understanding me? Huge. Genesis 11. Goodness, I owe you an offering for this one this morning. Genesis 11 verse 1. Look at what the scripture says. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. The whole earth. The entire earth had one language and one speech. Verse 7. I'm jumping. Come. Let us go down and there confuse their language. That they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them, are brought from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there the Lord scattered them, are brought over the face of all the earth. Now, if you read that, the first thing we take away from there is that God confused their language. First of all, he tells us all the earth had one language and one lip, one speech. The whole earth. They spoke the same language, whatever that language was. Then we are told that because of the intent of their heart, God confused their language and they were no longer able to understand one another. Now, right off the bat, what we take away from that is Languages as we know it, English, Spanish, uh, Finnish, French, immediately there were divisions. It's true. But there's a higher fact than that. There is a spiritual meaning beyond just the natural language that was broken up and there was 
confusion among people. How do I know that? I know that because when I now read in Acts chapter 2, please go there with me. Acts chapter 2. In verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as their spirit gave them utterance. Verse 8. And I'm jumping, I'm skipping here because of time. And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and maids and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Look at verse 11. Cretans and Arabs. What did we hear? We hear them speaking in our own tongues. What were they saying? The wonderful works of God. So in Genesis, languages were confused. In Acts chapter 2, languages came together in a way where everybody heard something, even though they were hearing their own languages. But the common factor in what they were hearing was a message about who? God. They spoke it in different tongues, but by each man's interpretation, what they decoded, what they took away from what they were hearing was not just conversation, but they were hearing the wonderful works of God. This is huge. So the point here is, from way back in Genesis, there was a language of God. But because of the intent of man's heart to live apart from God, God did not allow that language to continue, but rather gave them little bits of what they could use over time. Are you hearing me now? Now enter Hebrews 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke to the fathers through the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us in son. Yeah, I know your Bible says by his son. I understand. I know what I'm saying. What's the point I'm making? Let, let, let me just build it up and then we're going to get to it in a minute. In John chapter 10, in verses 27 through 29, you don't need to turn to that one. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And in voice of a stranger, they will never follow. Do you know why we follow the voice of strangers? It's not because we're not hearing the voice of God, we just don't understand the language he's speaking. It's not that difficult to hear. The challenge is we are hearing something but we lack discerning of what that thing is saying to us. So here Hebrews begin to enlighten us, begin to tell us what God has done and what God is doing. In times past, God spoke 
through various means. Number one, God spoke around us through creation. Psalm 19, verses 1 through 4, talks about how the heavens declared the glory of God. And on and on and on it goes. Kepler, K-E-P-L-E-R, Kepler, the father of modern day astronomy, he said, any astronomer who is not devout is mad. This modern day father of astronomy who also coined the word we use today, satellite. After studying astronomy and the heavens and the galaxies and all of God's creation, he came away with the conclusion that any astronomer who does not bow down and become devout and worship the living God, he said that astronomer is mad or crazy. True story. Now, so God's creation speaks for itself. We see the grandeur of God in creation. But in that same creation, we have some things that do happen that affects the message that creation sends. Case in point, volcanoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, earthquakes, when these natural disasters take place, in fact, insurance companies will tell you we cannot insure you against what? The acts of God. Yes. So on the one hand, stars and the moon and the galaxies and creation is applauding and declaring his glory. On the other hand, things happen in our creation that almost seem to make that message of creation mute. So you see the message of creation when you take it in totality is incomplete or perhaps inconsistent. And you may want to ask the question this morning, why does creation show its grandeur and sometimes its brutality? The answer is very simple. Because the world, since Adam fell, is fallen. Romans 8 says, our world, our creation, even our creation, awaits the revealing or the manifestation of the sons of God. And that the earth itself is groaning to be redeemed. Amen? So, around us, creation speaks. God speaks through creation. Among us, second way in which God spoke, and I'm going to get to the knot of the message in a minute. Among us, he spoke through the prophets. Second Peter chapter 1 in verse 21, we are told that holy men of God spake as they were moved upon by the Spirit of God. So the prophets of old, they spoke. But even that, at best, when you read it, the prophets, for the most part, did not have full understanding of what they were saying. First Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, makes that absolutely clear. That the prophets and the angels, many times, were wondering 
What is this all about? One will speak of the glory of the Lord Jesus as Messiah. Another one will come and talk about his sufferings. So the messages were up and down and up and down and they were never able to fully come into grasp as to the message that they were carrying. God placed words in their mouth, they spoke it. Without fully understanding what it was they were talking about. I'm late, I'm going somewhere. So around us, creation speaks. Among us, the prophet spoke. And then within us, our conscience also speaks. A lot of times you get an impression, you get a thought, something comes to your mind or to your awareness and you wonder, is this God? Is this my flesh? Or is this the devil? But your conscience has the ability to receive something and give you some kind of prompting as to what you are getting. So around us, the creation speaks to us. Among us, prophets speak to us. Within us, our conscience speaks. But in creation, the message is incomplete or inconsistent. By the prophets, the message at times is incomprehensible. They're speaking about things they don't know. In your conscience, however, sometimes the message is confusing. Is this me? Is this my flesh? Is this God? Or is this the devil? Why am I giving you all this? I'm giving you all this because you need to know why has God changed his mode of speaking? Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 again. God at various times in various ways spoke to the fathers by the prophets. Verse 2. But in these last days he's not speaking by the prophets. Even though creation is there and we see the evidence of creation, he's not speaking by the creations. Even though our conscience is there and we know that God has the ability to connect with us through the conscience. He does not want us to be confused any longer. He does not want us not to have a complete picture any longer. So what does he do now? The Bible says in these last days he's solving the problem of incomplete, incomprehensible, confusing message by now speaking to us in and through his son. John chapter 1 verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What is God trying to do? God is saying I want to make sure my message connects with the people to which I'm trying to speak. So I will packet my message in a messenger so that the messenger will become the message. And when you see my messenger, you will know precisely what the message is. I'm reminded this morning, a few years back, 
One of the men that relate to us, Wally Banks, has a young boy by the name of Prince. Prince and his father had lived in Côte d'Ivoire for years. So he had acquired French as his first language. Years later, they relocated back to Nigeria where English is the main language. And as a young boy, he had a nanny. His father was not home. His mother was not home. And this boy, on a very hot afternoon, became very thirsty. And he went to the nanny and said, Dolo. The nanny looked at him and said, what's wrong? What's, what's your problem? Dolo. Back and forth and back and forth for minutes. Minutes turned to hours. This young boy was thirsty. Was dehydrated. He wanted something that the nanny would have delighted to give to him. But as he tried to communicate, the nanny had no idea what he was saying. She heard the words, but the words had no meaning to her. her. And the young boy was simply saying, water. Give me some water. Don't more the low. And the lady was saying, I have no idea what you want. I'm back and forth, I'm back and forth. So as I was preparing for this message, I'm saying to myself, wow, this is what's happened to us. God is speaking to us. We are hearing words, but we lack comprehension of what he's saying. So God is saying, you know what? I am tired of people confusing my creation. There are people today who as a result of creation, they are moon worshippers. Because the moon that gives you a message about Jesus to others, it gives them a message about idol worship. There are people today who are confused about the prophetic. When a prophet comes into the house and gives a word, some of those people become so confused by what they're hearing, they follow a prophet, not God. So God is saying, you know what? I am tired of people misunderstanding my messages and not being able to give full heed to what I'm trying to say. Therefore, I will pack it myself and be just like them. And I will now become the message to them as their messenger. And when they see me and hear me, they will understand what I'm trying to say to them. I'm going to leave my realm and come to their realm and become their language. So Jesus Christ, as we see in the scripture, became the message that became the messenger. And the messenger that became the message. And so now what we know is, God has now spoken completely and finally through Jesus Christ the Son. Now that's a whole lot I just said. Let me slow down and say that again. God has now spoken. Redemptively, should I add. God has now spoken redemptively, completely and finally through Jesus Christ the Son. Let me tell you the implication of that. There are several religions today that claim another revelation other than that which God has declared to be final. Jehovah's Witness. The Mormons. The New Ages. The Grey Messengers. They are claiming that they are hearing something else other than the sun. They are laying claim 
to another revelation other than what God. Now, if you look at the tense in Hebrews 1 2, God has now spoken. There is a way in which there's a finality to that. Now, that's not to say that God is no longer speaking. When God speaks today, He's not talking about redemption, He's giving personal directions. He's telling you about things, who to marry, when to marry, what kind of profession. He's doing that now. But redemptively, what he has to do with your salvation and your deliverance and your redemption, he has nothing else to say. It's been said through his son, Jesus. So when a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, and brings you a watchtower and tells you that a snake appeared to Mr. Smith and gave him a revelation. Tell him he's a liar. When the Mormons tell you that Jesus is the brother of Archangel Gabriel or Michael and trying to make him co-equal with an angel and therefore refute his claim as the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the earth, you need to let them know that God has spoken in these last days, not through the Mormon church, not through the Jehovah's Witness, not through the New Ages, but through his son Jesus. It's final. It's a finality to it. There's a finality to it. Amen? If you went to Mexico today, you speak Spanish. If you went to Finland, you speak Finnish. If you went to England, you speak English. So, in the kingdom of God, what is the language? Going back to Genesis. And God said, let there be light. What is the language of God? Is it Hebrew? No. Is it Greek? No. Is it Aramaic? No. Is it Ebonics? No. No. The language of God, ladies and gentlemen, is Sonish. S-O-N-I-S-H. God is speaking in Son. If we put the amplified translation on, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. Please give it, give it to me in Amplified. You see what it says? It's not just speaking by his son or through his son, but in the last days, he has spoken to us in what? In son. In son. Oh my goodness. Say after me. Say God has spoken in son. One more time. God has spoken in son. If you ever want to locate what God is saying, locate his son. If you ever want to understand the language of God, it is not Hebrew. It is not Greek. Thank God for those languages. It is not Aramaic. No. Jesus was the embodiment and the totality of not only who God was, but what God was saying. Amen. It starts with him, it ends with him. 
That's why he's called the Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. When was he first? When God said, let there be light and there was light, Jesus showed up. He's the beginning and he's the ending. There is nothing else, no one else apart from him. God has no other language. He has no other messenger. Jesus, in and through all, is all. Ooh, I need to coin that. I can't even repeat that. Jesus, in all and through all, is what? All. It is Jesus plus nothing. That's his language. God speaks sonish. Let us think in you. God speaks sonish. Now, I'm going to show you some practical things to help you understand why, why I'm going in this direction. I may not be proficient in, in Spanish. I may not be proficient in Greek or Hebrew. Does that place me at a disadvantage as a believer? I may not even know English language. So that means I can't relate with God. In Sunnish, it cut, cut, cut across every, everyone. Yes. We just read it in Acts chapter 2. They were speaking various tongues, but each person caught a revelation of the wonderful what? Works of God. They caught the revelation of Sunnish. Three things we can take away. Three takeaways from what God is showing us. Three things. Number one, it affects my understanding of God's word. And Father, I just pray again that we will not have heard a nice eloquent message this morning that these applications will be blazed on the tablets of our heart that we will leave this sanctuary or wherever you are listening that this will mark a distinct difference in our walk with God in the name of Jesus number one your understanding of God's word will be affected let me explain it. Give me Romans chapter 8 in the message translation. Romans chapter 8 in the message translation. Uh, verses 28, verses 29 and 30. Thank you. Let me read it here. This is what this passage says God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as who? The life of his son. The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, 
He followed it up by calling people by name. Ah, hey, hey, coach, your name is here. Bank, your name is here. Marie, your name is here. Renee, your name is here. Mira, your name is here. By name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. So what is the pattern he chose from what we just read? His son. His son. Now, going back to my point about how this affects the way we understand the word of God. Go with me back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Let me tell you what I mean by this. And I pray that God will help us to start making the adjustment today in Jesus' name. Genesis 3 verse 9. You understand the context. I won't waste a lot of time on the context there. Genesis 3 9. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. How do you understand that passage? What do you understand God to be saying to Adam in this passage? How can you correctly exegete this passage? I just told you. The only way you understand what God is saying is by speaking what? Sonish. How do I understand what God said in Genesis? I have to go to Sonish. Where is Sonish Sonish found in this one? Matthew 26. (laughs) Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. By that I mean, how did Jesus handle a similar situation? If you want to understand the language of God in every passage of the Bible, when you read it, it does not matter whether it's the Old Testament or even the epistles. You only interpret the entire scriptures through Jesus, by Jesus, looking at Jesus. End of story, period. Oh, I just gave you a key. My God, somebody should come and put money in my hand. I just gave you a key. This is more than a dollar. Priceless. Priceless. Thank you, Apostle. Priceless. Anytime you read anything in the scriptures to understand what God is saying, go to Sonish. I heard what it says, but what does it mean? Sonish. So how do I interpret what happened in Genesis 3? What was God's disposition to Adam? Was he angry and said, Adam, where are you? I'm going to kill your head. I'm going to hit you down. Kill you. Matthew 26, verse 50. There was another garden. Oh, thank you very much. You blessed of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Buy me some uh, fried chicken or something on the way home or something. <laughs> Matthew 26, 50. Jesus was at the garden. 
in his hour of trial. Let me read verse 49. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. What's the point I'm trying to make here? I said, the first way this whole thing affects me and you is our understanding of God's word. In Genesis 3, 9, Adam failed God. In Matthew 26, 50, Judas failed Jesus. What was Jesus' response? Thank you, Pastor Charles. You just won the dollar. Friend! We just interpreted God's disposition in Genesis by how Jesus responded in Matthew. He called his betrayer friend. If I am to go out and live like the son of God, live like a person who has eternal life, live like a person who is born again, who has the spirit of God, what do I do when people offend me? When my friends betray me, when they disappoint me, what language am I speaking? Am I speaking cousins? Am I speaking Aramaic, Spanish, English, Greek, Hebrew, or what does God want you to speak? The only language of the kingdom is Spanish. That is the language that invites the grace of God, invites the presence of God, invites the manifestation of God into your life. Oh, I'm trying for you to get something. My God, I feel like Matthew Luther King this afternoon. My eyes have seen something and I'm trying to take you there. You will never get there by reacting. Sonish has spoken. In a moment of betrayal, in a moment of disappointment, in a moment when people rile against you, the only language of the kingdom that brings victory is Sonish. And Sonish said, friend, to the man who kissed him with a betrayer. That's the language of God for you. If we are going to enter into the rest of God, we have to enter with the right key. And the key is sonish. You cannot make withdrawals through another language. You get to the bank, you want to withdraw money that belongs to you, you better be able to communicate. If you write your check in Hebrew, they can't read it. Where shall I go? If you write it in Greek, they just look at you. The only language of the kingdom is Sonish. Jesus is the correct interpretation of all of God's revelation. Every scripture from the old through the new must only be interpreted through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ. Other than that, God has nothing else to say. He has spoken completely and finally through his son. He said to me, Pastor, but do you know how hard that is? Really? How hard was it for Jesus to receive a kiss from his friend who's dipped bread into a bowl with him and eating and broken bread together? 
and yet, in that moment, still be able to call him friend. So I'm saying that to say to you, Genesis 3:9, God was not mad at Adam. Because he speaks through his son. If Jesus was not mad at Judas, God was not mad at Adam. Oh, let, let me just throw this bomb. I'm going to throw it and just run quickly. Because it's a bomb. I don't want it to blow me myself. If Judas had not died or killed himself before the crucifixion, he would have been born again. If he had hung around long enough, why? He would have been included in Father, forgive them. For they know not what they are doing. Why? Because Jesus only spoke sonish. He only spoke sonish. Number two of how this affects you. It affects my understanding of God's ways. Number one, it affects my understanding of his word. But number two now, it affects my understanding of God's ways. Case in point, does God want me healed today? Yes. Does he want me to prosper? Yes. Question, things, I mean, you just, you just saw the drama. The young lady, believing God for a time off. And she's heard the message of God's rest. And then there was this struggle. I've done everything, God, and yet I'm not in rest. What's going on? We have those questions continually going on in us, sometimes because we have not come to the conclusion and the finality of God's way revealed through sunish. So today we believe in healing. Tomorrow we are not sure. Today we believe in prosperity. Tomorrow we say, well, maybe God wants you to be broke for a minute. So back and forth and back and forth. But when you read sunish, it settles it once and for all. And for us religious people, this is hard to understand. Because I'm about to submit to you that in Sanish, everybody who got healed didn't have faith. Okay. I can go there now. Will that be made whole? Oh, well, Jesus, you see, uh, there are people, once uh, uh, they have people helping them, and before I can't get there, uh, somebody gets ahead of me. Is he answering the question? No. Does that sound like faith? No. No. But what was the language of the kingdom? Sonish. What did Sonish do? He cut through the man's weaknesses. He knew that in the man's heart, he wanted healing. But in his spirit, in his flesh, he lacked the faith enough to believe God. And yet, in another instant, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Yes. Bang, the healing took place. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? There is only one explanation in Sonish. Because of your compassions. <laughs> that does not fail. Your mercies that do not fail, we are not consumed. I don't understand it. All I know is that is what he says. I understand God's word through Sonish. I understand his will through Sonish. And lastly, and the last point here, I understand his will through Sonish. Spend some time contemplating the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
you find everything there that has to do with your finance, with your family, with your ability to parent, and with direction. Everything is there. Everything is there. And I'm going to close with this story of the Leeds syndrome. Leeds, L-E-E-D-S. This was Leeds, England, where this story occurred. True story. So in Leeds, England, there was a farmer who had a bad hearing in one ear. And after years of putting it off and just postponing going to the doctor, he finally summoned enough courage and went to the doctor to have his, eye, um, his ears examined. And it was discovered that it was, he had a loss of hearing in one ear. So he was given a hearing aid. Thank you, doctor, and he went. For 10 more years, his hearing was deteriorating. So finally, he comes back to the doctor. Doctor, I was here 10 years ago. You gave me a treatment, and now my ear or my hearing has worsened. The doctor was very perplexed. Started running all the tests. I said, oh, yeah, this is the problem. You know what the problem was? The man took the hearing aid and put it in a good ear. So the bad ear was not remedied. The good ear was stocked up with a hearing aid for all these years. So it was having hearing problems galore. You see how we just laughed? In Matthew 17, at the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus came forth. Moses on one side, Elijah on the other side. And we are told that the glory of God was right around them. So much so, Peter saw it. Said, Whoa! I recognize Moses, the lawgiver. Yes. And wow! Elijah, the miracle worker. Yes. What else do we need, God? Let's build three tabernacles. One for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you. And God said, oh, no. You are mistaken. There is only one glory. Not the lawgiver as good as the law was. And not the miracle worker as much as we need miracles. There's only one tabernacle. Jesus Christ. Not only that he said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Not the law. Not the miracles. These are the things that's creating problems in the body of Christ. Our focus, as God said, is Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus. Master, Savior, Deliverer, the Lord God Almighty, the Son of God, one who became flesh and dwelt among us, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last. The Alpha, Alpha and the Omega. The, the, oh my God. The bright and shining star. The roses of Sharon. That will be within a will. Jesus Christ. The only son of God. Amen. 
Please give me that song one more time. Jesus, Master, Savior. And as we sing this song, I want you to press in. I want you to press in. Refocus yourself. Recalibrate yourself this afternoon. Through him, in him, by him, around him. Give it all to him. He is the one that, I, that can interpret your life in a way you can never get it. Ah, Master Savior. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Lord Jesus. Thank you. What a wonder you are. What a bright and morning star. Adonai, Master Jehovah. Oh, I bless you. Yes. Yes. Yes, like a fragrance. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And kingdom yes. Will pass away. But there's something about that day. There's just something about